Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Brian Salter, lead pastor at LMPC, and this episode is a Pillar and Ground Connections episode where we seek to increase our connection to one another with whom we stand together in community and mission. And we are joined today by LMPC members, Tripp and Allison Johnston. Welcome, Tripp and Allison. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Thank you for having us. You bet. This is a Connections episode. We stand together with you in community. You're part of our body. And um, they joined LMPC in the fall of 2015. I knew them and knew of a number of family connections. Uh, but it wasn't until this summer that I actually thought, oh, I didn't know them at all. And I got to know their story, and I was so encouraged. Um, Tripp asked me to review and commend a book he has written called Soul Brothers, a Harvard-trained investment banking executive and an Ethiopian aid worker caught up together in a God-sized story. And I enjoyed it tremendously. And just to give you a little foretaste of the book i wrote a endorsement that says this do you want your limited human preconceptions challenged and your heart stirred for god's work in the world read soul brothers you will surely be led to jubilant praise for the mighty works of god through this powerful and redemptive account of god's wondrous providence god's weaving together the stories of two unlikely families for one beautiful mission for christ is so refreshing and that is true of what you've put in paper i know trip your names on it y'all worked collaboratively on this because it was your mission together and and so now i'm hoping to connect lmpc to this book uh, to taste what i got to taste what you lived and to trip and allison where you may listen to this and you may think i want to hear more of that or maybe their story is somehow converging with what you feel like god may be doing in your life and they might be a resource so uh, we'll just start out with kind of the the book is quite a contrast of backgrounds, um, and that's really what struck me going back and forth between an Ethiopian and the Harvard trained businessman family. Um, talk about your background, the background of your family prior to Ethiopia entering the picture out of nowhere. I think is really how it happened. Talk about your background. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Yeah, certainly before God, um, we were in a position for God to call us to missions in Ethiopia. There was a uh, uh, a transformation and in, in a season of preparation uh, for Allison and me. We were both of us are from the Chattanooga area. We're high school sweethearts and um, went to college together at UNC Chapel Hill. And then, as you mentioned, I had the privilege of getting a Harvard MBA and entered the workforce. Um, really focused in the investment banking field, helping companies raise capital and put together corporate mergers and acquisitions. And I would say uh, I was a believer. I came to faith as uh, a young child, um, but I went through a season where I was just chasing after that American dream, just mm. um, get a good education, get a good job, make money, be successful, make a name for yourself. And, you know, any of those things in and of themselves, you know, there's some good in there, but you know, the, the good became the ultimate. And I was just mm. uh, really just seeking after um, my own goals and ambitions. If you were to look at my bank account and audit it or my calendar and see how I was spending my money and time, it was, you know, sadly, mainly about me. Mm. And uh, I went through this season of God just convicting me of that and, mm. um, drawing me back to himself and giving me a heart 
to give him the first fruits of my life and not just the leftovers and, and to um, seek after him wholeheartedly. So we, I was being, I was enjoying great success in work. Uh, we were living in an affluent situation in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we were living, um, had come through a season of transformation mm-hmm. and really believed God's calling on my life was to be a Christian businessman, which I viewed and still view as a high calling. Yeah, right. And moving to Africa, being a missionary was nowhere on my radar screen. Um, I was settled in life, um, just serving God in the environment he had me in a successful business career. Mm. Um, And it wasn't on your radar screen either, was it, Allison? Not at that time, but I was raised um, here in Chattanooga at First Presbyterian Church. Our family was very involved, and I came to faith at an early age, and I had a love for missions. We had missionaries in our home, and I always enjoyed the yearly missions conference. Uh, So I had a love for that. But at the time, before we moved to Ethiopia and before that happened in our life, I was busy as a stay-at-home mom because Tripp had been super busy as an investment banker. He was traveling a lot. He was gone many nights of the week, and I felt like I needed to be at home with the kids and not like pursuing a like a major career because I, I thought they needed stability at home. Mm-hmm. So the children were they were doing well. They were uh, involved in club level soccer. All three of them played at pretty high level of soccer. That's busy. Uh, yes, it was very busy, and we were uh, gone frequently on weekends with these traveling teams. Mm-hmm. But they were happy and well adjusted, and were at a Christian school uh, in Charlotte. Had many friends, and were happy. And lo and behold, a lot of changes were soon to come in our life. Yeah, and that's what strikes you when you read this literally the timing of what happens in your career and the opportunity to go on a short-term trip to Ethiopia is clearly providential and quite surprising. So going to talk about that. Yeah, as as I mentioned, I was enjoying work life, um, but God was beginning to, to change the desires of my heart where I, I had been using my treasure, investing in kingdom causes, but God was increasingly giving me a desire to give of my, my time and my talent. And I was involved in a number of different ministries, and my heart was getting pulled in that direction. Um, but my schedule really didn't allow that to the degree my heart was going uh, uh, in that direction. So there was this tension building, and Alice and I were wrestling with, well, what, what does God have for us? Um, is this it, being a, a Christian businessman, being a witness in our community, um, serving Him in our church? But we started feeling that God had something more. Then I had this very uh, traumatic event happen in my career, and um, one day I walked into work, and my boss, and I was a high-level executive in one of the biggest uh, banks in the country, financial services companies. And my boss said, I'm making a change. You're fired. And I was just dumbfounded. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I was always, you know, the fair-haired boy, the, the one succeeding, the one, you know, giving other people that news and receiving it. Wow. You know, I, it put me in a bit of a um, tailspin, of course. 
And, but it also created some space for Allison and I to begin to reflect more on where God had been leading us in our, in our, with our heart and the direction he was leading us. And you know, long story short, I actually ended up getting kind of brought back into a much higher level role in that bank. Fast forward a year, though, we're just like, we just believe God has something different for us. And so this culminated with me going in to the senior executives of this of, of the bank and, and resigning. And they're like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I just feel that God's calling us into some type of full-time vocational ministry. Well, what does that mean? What, where are you, what, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know yet. Um, and so Alice and I had, had prayed and said, felt the Lord was leading us to take some months and just wait on Him, yeah. knowing He was calling us to something different. And literally, the next week, I get invited to go on a short-term missions trip to Ethiopia with a Christian uh, sports ministry organization. Uh, a couple of friends I knew there, and I'm thinking this will just be a rewarding, enriching experience. But God had other plans. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, on those short-term missions trips, Allison, you're watching all that unfold. Fired, back at work, resigned. Kind of process that as well. I think God had been preparing me um, for some time with the journey He had us on while we were there. So even though that was, you know, a bit shocking and startling, I had sensed for some time that God was leading us in a new direction. And it, it seemed like it was going to be something, what I thought in my mind, something big in some way. I didn't really know what that meant. Mm. But I knew that, that he was up to something. It, it just felt very different the way that Tripp's describing it. Mm. So that wasn't exactly what I thought he might be doing, but but nevertheless, that's what happened. So mm-hmm. we just began to take time um, and pray and meditate and just consider what God was doing in our life mm-hmm. and try to let go of our own plans um, and just wait on him mm-hmm. because clearly he was going to show us because it wasn't our trying to figure out what's next and and come up with our own plans. We basically let go and let God show us what His plans you were going to be. You opened up to the process and were responding to what was providentially happening, to what the sense of calling, that, that, that was shifting. So you go on this trip, and you meet a local Ethiopian Christian named Berhanu, who inspires you and and is actually the soul brother referred to in the book uh there's no way in this episode to to tell Berhanu's story you have to read the book it's um and even that is a is probably a just a taste uh but so well done and the contrast between going back and forth in your career and watching Berhanu's faith conversion his story um just talk to us about Berhanu he's a obviously a key feature of the book and his background in life creates such a stark contrast with your story from his conversion to his persecuted faith to clear callings from God that he receives sincere obedience from him. Just a taste of Berhanu really is all you can give here. Yeah. I first met Berhanu on this short term trip and I had a chance just to, we were riding together on a bus and he just started to share (laughs) I was just blown away yeah. with story after story. And 
you know, he's become one of my dearest friends, and we've worked together in ministry now for over 20 years. God brought us together, you know, to help launch a ministry. But um, he's just been so faithful. He walks so closely with God and obedient. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it started, I'll just, I'll just tell a story or two. So when Burhanu was 12 years old, he, he lived in a family that was animistic. They, they kind of worshipped a family god. <clears throat> and he was actually lying in his bed plotting to kill somebody who had uh, uh, done something against his father. And as he's lying in his bed, he has a vision of a man in a white robe descending out of heaven into his bedroom. Brilliant light, so white and bright, he couldn't even look at it. And he just falls on his face as this person Mm -hmm. descends into his room and, and, and he's just overwhelmed with his own sinfulness. You know, he's just been plotting to murder somebody. And, and this figure, um, who he now knows to be Jesus, said three things to him. said, do not sin anymore. You are mine. Mm. And you will carry my name to the nations. And that was how Burhanu's walk with Jesus first began very intimately and very surprisingly and way outside of my uh, realm of experience. Yeah. The but contrast begins there, right? Does it ever? I mean, like blowing your human preconceptions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And coming to faith and, and, you know, he went and spoke and people explained to him who this was and, yeah. and you know, and he came to a, a real understanding of who Jesus was. And then as he, began to live for Jesus, he was expelled from his home. His father tried to kill him. At age 13, he's on the streets. He, uh, he, Christians in the church he started to attend began to take him in. So God gave him a new family, hmm. not his blood family, but you know a spirit family. And then during the Ethiopia, went through a period where they had a communist, very repressive government that was trying to stamp out um, Christianity, followers of Jesus. And Burhanu and many others like him were persecuted and in and out of prison, tortured. Um, and But he just faithfully followed mm. God, and God worked powerfully in his life mm. um, to touch many people. And his his story is just really overwhelming. And it yeah. can, I mean, I'm telling the early part of his story, it just continues oh, yeah. and continues to where we have walked with him the last 20 years with many of the same types of um, stories and encounters. And he's been such a faithful friend and encourager to us and really a guide in knowing God better. And Allison, you share, I know you. Yeah, you fall in love with this guy when you read the book. It's interesting, a little teaser. The, the book begins with Burhanu on Lookout Mountain. Just a little teaser. But go ahead, Allison. That's right. Well, and and hearing his stories, you may think, well, this man may have been really puffed up with um, or would have reason to boast with with all of these exceptional, uh, incredible encounters and experiences. But I tell you, he is one of the most humble men I've ever known. Mm -hmm. There is a gentleness and a humility um, and and not someone who says he has it all figured out, Mm -hmm. even though he's had 
just unbelievable types of experiences. Yeah. Uh, I was just always so impressed with, yeah, the humility of this man. Yeah. I longed to meet him after reading it. Those I, I thought, I want to meet this guy. Uh, just to hear him talk about the way the Lord has worked in his life. Um, so you got to read the book to really get the full taste of that. That's a little a teaser, an appetizer, as it were. But um, you go on this short-term trip, and it leads to a call for your family to move to Ethiopia. Kind of how does that process go? You've got three kids, all in, were they in high school at the time or middle school? Yeah, they were, we had two teenagers and a preteen. Okay, that, and that's that significant time of life. So let's talk about how this goes. So I came back from that short-term trip messed up, just overwhelmed, really, by the level of poverty. At this time, Ethiopia was the second poorest country in the world, and I mean, the poverty was overwhelming. And I was also struck by the number of young people. I think at the time, it was something like 65% of the population was under 21 years old. So everywhere you looked were children and youth. And we're talking 2001 yeah, this, was right. that trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And <laughs> I was invited on this trip by a guy who'd been doing sports ministry his whole life, Brian Davidson, who was our son Barrett's soccer coach. And he was working with this Charlotte Eagles ministry. And Brian is a dreamer, a visionary. And so when he hears that I'm like, I've left my job and, you know, I'm waiting on God to show me what's next, you know, he starts salivating, right? Yeah, he's got a deal. (laughs) He does. (laughs) So he's casting this big vision for what sports ministry could look like in Ethiopia. And maybe not just there, but the world. And, um, you know, he's, he's getting all excited and I'm just getting petrified. I'm like, (laughs) I come back from this trip. And, you know, I sensed God was leading us into something different, but not this. God, to Africa, I've got three teenagers, preteens, you know, not sure about Africa. So I was overwhelmed, but also sensing God was stirring and open. But, Alison, why don't you share how you felt when I got back? I was actually really, really moved and deeply touched. I read his journal um, that he had he had um, mm. written down daily, like entries into a journal. And I had felt so connected, even though I didn't go on that trip. But while he was there, I felt deeply connected to what was going on and was, you know, of course, in prayer a lot for his time and for the team and what they were doing. So at that time... It was hard for me to even grasp kind of the the gravity and the magnitude of what God was doing Mm. because it was as if I could almost see ahead what he he was going to do. Mm. Even though Trip wasn't quite there yet, it it just felt so deeply moving to me. Mm. And God had already been preparing us that I believed this was the beginning of something very, very new in our life. And we began to talk to the children about the possibility of moving to Africa, of moving to Ethiopia. And you know what? They were open to it. (laughs) And starting with Morgan, who was our oldest, and she was about 16 at the time. And by the time we would move to Africa, she would be 17 and getting ready to start her senior year in high school. 
she was mature enough in her faith that she said, you know, I, I really think God has something for us. God has something for me there, too, and I believe I'm to go. And her younger brother and sister, Barrett and Anna, I believe, you know, they were excited. That was kind of an adventure, but they, they also followed her lead as the oldest child being uh, willing to go. And some of her friends' family said, well, we can keep Morgan. We can keep her at our house for a year. She can finish her senior year in the States. You all can go on. But Morgan said, no, I need to go. I'm supposed to go. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, as a parent of teenagers, that's amazing to watch God work in that way. Yeah, and just to, God is so good. Just to share quickly, so Morgan, when we ended up moving to Ethiopia, prayed all summer before her senior, starting her senior year of high school in Ethiopia that that God would bless her in a new school situation. She was going to be in an international school with um, maybe one or two other Americans, people from all over the world, entering as a senior. You know that would be a challenge, of course. Lord, she prayed, just give me, you know, just one special friend. <clears throat> and we took, we picked Morgan up from school after that, her first day of school in Ethiopia. And Morgan, you know, how was it? And she said, well, yeah, you know, it was okay. Um, and th- there was one guy who was really nice to me. <laughs> well, that one guy is now our son-in-law. <laughs> um, he was a Norwegian missionary kid that uh, God just brought. Uh, together with Morgan, and they are actually LMPC members yeah, here yeah, as well, Morgan right. and Sven Erickson and their yeah. kids. So um, yeah. th- th- there were many challenges stepping out in faith, but God was so good, and that's just you know, one very that's clear a good, example. Good example. Um, you get to Ethiopia, which I'm getting to Ethiopia is its own tale, uh, but how long did you serve there, and kind of what were some of the formative moments, ministry? life as you're there yeah so i know we, that's a huge question because yeah, uh, yeah. that's a catalog well we lived in ethiopia for three years um <clears throat> and we started a ministry um along with this guy i mentioned brian davidson and his family who was with the charlotte eagles and with Burhanu, who god brought to be a part of this a- equation as well and, and the ministry was called Sports Friends. It's a ministry of the International uh, Interdenominational Mission, SIM. And, it, and the, the, the vision was really to use sports as a way to connect with young people, to build relationships with them. As I mentioned, the, Ethiopia was just overrun with young people. And the church was struggling with, like, how do we connect with all these young people? Mm. Um, and so sports was just this natural environment to build relationships. So we were... We were really training and equipping churches and church planters to use sports to build relationships. And where the coach was much more than a sport coach, he was mm-hmm. like he was a life coach. He was the discipler, um, and and working with lots of Ethiopians. This wasn't you know bringing in the army of expatriate missionaries. This was equipping local people um, for this ministry, and we just saw God do amazing things. It was tough at first because the church. I really didn't understand the concept of sports ministry, and a lot of people thought sports was evil, stay away. You know, yeah. that we ran into people who love sports, Christians, who had been prayed over by their church leaders to be delivered of their interest in sports because sport was 
evil. Wow. Yeah. So we, we, we were coming with a different vision that let's, you know, let's use all aspects of society, redeem them, um, be a witness in them. And sport can be this powerful tool God can use. Yeah. And so anyway, began to catch bit by bit. And then we just saw God move in, in powerful ways with lots of young people coming to faith um, and growing, being discipled with this very personal relationship with their coach, who was basically their youth worker, if you yeah, will. Yeah. Um, and we saw new churches established. I mean, in one Muslim village, I mean, the mosque was closed and turned into a church because of relationships first built on the sport field and what God did in drawing people to wow. himself. Um, and, and we just saw time after time, um, God began to change hearts and, and build his kingdom. And <clears throat> yeah, it was story upon story upon story yeah. of just seeing um, God at work. And you get some of those in the book. Uh, Allison, you reflect on your time there. Yes. Um, well, while Tripp and Brian were busy with the beginnings of, of the sports ministry, Brian's wife, Chris, and I got involved in AIDS ministry because the AIDS epidemic was just raging at that time in Ethiopia. And there were a lot of, um, a lot of families affected. Uh, a lot of people um, were ostracized and stigmatized. And we started by going to visit uh, children who were HIV positive at an AIDS orphanage and would take our kids and would go and just help out at the orphanage and all the kids mm -hmm. there HIV positive and some with full-blown AIDS. And then we later got involved with a home-based care ministry that actually the Warrens here in our church yeah. are, Andy and Beth, yes, yeah. um, are involved in. And that was the like the beginnings of that ministry. And we would go out into the slums on foot and go visit people with AIDS. And they had a lot of different needs, you know, physical needs um, and needs for their kids and, 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 of course, spiritual needs. And we would share the gospel and just basically uh, come in and, and love them and spend time with them and go to funerals with them because many, many people passed away. Um, they would get sick quickly and they didn't have the necessary medicines. It's very different now. Um, people are living and, and doing very well, but at that time, people would be diagnosed and die very quickly. Mm. But we were able to uh, share the gospel, and many came to faith, and we, we had a wonderful um, Bible study. It was all HIV positive, and so from week to week, you know, people uh, might be sick and not attending, or they may have died. So we, mm. we spent a lot of time just with families and going to funerals and doing life together. But we developed deep, deep friendships through that and, and just thank God for what he was doing. Uh, even in the midst of all that tragedy, um, beautiful testimonies came yeah. out of that. Yeah, that's um, three years. I'm sure it's hard to even come close to summarizing what you saw God do and how he showed up in those moments. And there's a lot of challenges too, uh, and that you reflect on in the book. There were distinct challenges from being there in Ethiopia. You later, you later go to Thailand for a season, but you also traveled around other countries for sports ministries. So as you do all that, what are some distinct challenges you remember from, from that? Yeah, well, there, there were lots, of course. Um, some you expect missionaries, most missionaries encounter just 
being away from home and family and the familiar and living in a foreign culture and having to learn a foreign language, you know, those types of things. Um, but Ethiopia was, was very poor and the, the poverty, as I mentioned, was, was overwhelming. So just wrestling with, you know, how do we steward our own resources and what needs do we meet there? I mean, everywhere we drove, our car was swarmed by people begging people outside of our the mm. gate to our home begging and you know we experienced the joy of meeting needs and the, and the sorrow and frustration of having people kick our car and hit our windows when we didn't meet the need mm. and you know just wrestling that's very difficult wrestling with those um, those types of issues we also had a lot of illnesses malaria and stomach stuff and um, and Allison you have nursing medical background right yes I do right? so that was providential as well to try to it's take care of the family very helpful Allison why don't you mention just what happened when to your driving incident yeah so driving in in Ethiopia was was just crazy um, it was uh, seems like no rules of the road uh, driving on sidewalks around people uh, just absolutely no order that I had been accustomed to in the States with a lot of order. So with moving there, I think that was maybe my biggest fear was was driving and particularly the fear of hitting someone because there were so many pedestrians and the pedestrians aren't just on the side of the road, they're always in the road or Sometimes a man might be lying kind of in a medium with legs dangling out into a lane because he's high on drugs and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And there were shepherds with all their flocks of sheep uh, that they're driving to market, and there's big groups of sheep that are in the road. And, well, and just, just total chaos, if you can imagine. So I was I was fearful about that. Um, And I didn't have a cell phone because the government was very tight on who could even have a cell phone. So I was also driving with no way to communicate. So with all that, I kept praying, Oh, Lord, please just never let me hit someone. I just that was my prayer. I said over and over again. Well, one day I was driving to the AIDS orphanage, and I had an Ethiopian in my car and someone else. And a young boy dashed out in front of my car. I didn't see him coming at all because he was like behind another van and just ran right in front of me, and I hit him. Um, <clears throat> and, I mean, that was the thing that I had been so afraid of. Well, the Ethiopian who was an Ethiopian man who was in the car with me said, we need to put him, this child, in the car and take him to a clinic immediately. And we had been been told as missionaries there, you know, if anything happens, you know, your car can be surrounded by a mob and, and they will just do mob justice. Just assume it's, it's the driver's fault and, you know, you can be um, attacked or anything can happen. And, you know, that was part of my fear. Well, we ended up putting the boy in the car, and he's in the back seat of my car. My car. He's alive, but he has like a head injury and is bleeding. And we dash off to the nearest clinic. And he's um, taken care of, and a, a, there was a Christian doctor there who looked after him. Mm. And he ended up being well enough 
to go back home. But um, this boy was a Muslim boy. And so we have that whole element of we being Christians, and I, you know, admitted I hit him with the car. And how would this family respond to me? Am I in, you know, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be killed for this or what might happen? Um, I will say that even though God permitted this to happen, I have learned to trust him so much more because he totally took care of the child. The boy ended up being being fine with, with mm-hmm. no problems. He took care of me. That family actually, even like the next day, we took the boy back for a follow-up um, check at the doctor. Um, the family invited us in. They greeted us like lovingly and warmly. Mm-hmm. They invited us in for coffee, and they honored us. And this was not at all what we had been told. What happens? What What is yeah. typical with missionaries or with this kind of event that this happens, you know, they basically say to expect, you know, the worst, a, a, yeah. the worst. Yeah. At a minimum, having to pay a huge amount of money to, yeah. to get out of there. Kind of extortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were lovely with us. I didn't deserve that. Mm. I didn't deserve any of, of, of the way that they treated me. Um, like a welcome guest in their home Mm. but i after this i'm like lord i'm so sorry that i'd like begged and pleaded keep this from me keep this from Mm. me and i didn't trust that no matter what i go through he is there with me and he he protects he takes care of us and it's not outside of of his ability to care for me so i've Mm. I've learned a lot i'm I'm still learning lessons in trusting him it looks different now but um but he taught me a lot through that so encouraging for all of our faith to hear that the providence of having the ethiopian man with you in the car that you weren't alone uh i mean just so much so much of god's kindness and provision in those challenges that you tell in the book so this book that you've weaved together in such a nice way with the two stories, the way you've written it with, you will know, you'll write about Burhanu and then you'll write about y'all's life and you can see the, it's almost like you can see the collision about to happen, <laughs> <laughs> that y'all are about to collide together and God's going to do something, but it's so unexpected. Uh, so the book comes out, when does the book come out and how will it be available for those interested in and reading it after yeah, so the book this. will be out in November and people can buy it on Amazon and uh, yeah it's I would say Burhanu and I are both uh, kind of the reluctant protagonists in this story <laughs> <laughs> neither one of us you know particularly want the uh, the spotlight on us but we really believe this is God's story yeah. and God has so burdened our hearts to tell it and um, and yeah I think people will be encouraged just to see God at work in a different culture, in a different context, and to see so much more of God, which was our theme throughout this book. We just see such a bigger God than the God I had put in a box too often before. That's what I experienced when I read it. And um, uh, I really encourage people to read it. These are people that are part of our family, you know, here at Lookout that experienced this. And it is a God story. 
there's no way it could be about y'all or Burhanu because y'all couldn't have put it together. <laughs> I mean, when you yeah. read it, you think there's this is about him. That's why I mentioned uh, you really are led to jubilant praise. Oh, my Lord, you've done great things and you've told a great story here and you're continuing to do things. And um, so I'm excited uh, this when you're listening to this, you're going to be uh, about a month from Christmas. So, hey, get this book, and give it to somebody, you know, or give it to yourself for Christmas or ask for it for Christmas. Um, and we look forward to having conversations in our community about this and what God might do through this book, not only in sports ministries world and people that other beyond lookout that'll read it, but in our community that God might use this. So thank you. And thank you for asking me to, to read it. It opened up a, a relationship in a world and it does strike me. One, one lesson I learned is, you know, there's so much story around us. Every time we come to church, we don't know the stories of all the people mm. around us. And, uh, it makes me want to be more curious with people. Uh, tell me about your life. Cause, I think about knowing you for about eight years and like had no idea this was part of your story. And so I'm so thankful to know it. And I hope you at Lookout, you'll get to know it as well. So thank you for joining us on this episode of Pillar and Ground. Thanks to Tripp and Allison for joining us. And we hope you'll join us for future episodes. Mm-hmm.